So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you, and you will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. I think that was the angel singing, I think. I hope it sounds better than that, though. Truly, truly. We are so grateful that you are here to join us today. And I don't have to turn that on. We're grateful that you're here to join us today. And we're happy that uh, you have a chance to come and to, to uh, be with family and be with friends. It's, uh, I always love the holidays. Uh, as, as kids come home, uh, and for me, that means, uh, since I've been here forever, um, 20-some years, to see some of the, the fruits of uh, my ministry come back and to be here to worship. And it's, it's a beautiful picture to see how they've grown and, and, uh, and are serving the Lord in, in their way, in their place. And it's, so it's a beautiful picture, and I'm always blessed by that. And always blessed by being with family here. This morning, as uh, I want to start off with a prayer. And uh, this time of the year is a very difficult time for some people. Um, for different reasons. And as you, as you think about it in your own personal life, uh, there are lots of things that happen in a year. I always think of it Ecclesiastes chapter 3. There's a time and the list goes on and on. And each one of us are in different places at different times. And, uh, and sometimes it's just hard to jump into the season. It's, sometimes it's hard to have your heart right because you've been hurt, you've been busy, you've been lost, you've made bad decisions, you've lost somebody, you may have lost a job, you may have lost uh, a family member, and sometimes our hearts are not right. And sometimes we just have to cry out to Jesus to help us. So I want to start off with a prayer, and I ask you to bow your heads and to uh, pray. God, we uh, come before you, and we are grateful to be your kids. We're grateful that you love us. We're grateful that you sent Jesus to this earth to live and to love and to serve and to be our Savior. God, we are thankful that he loves us and that you love us, that he took our place. And that's the whole story of the gospel, that Jesus came with so much love to take our place for a death that we certainly deserve. But it's at this time of the year um, when we come to 
when there seems to be so much joy in the earth and so much joy in the world that sometimes there's just that spot of sadness, that spot of loss, that spot of hard, hard-heartedness, or whatever it is that comes before us and, and brings us to this time and this place. And Father, I ask for this day that you would um, heal those hearts, that you would touch those hearts that have had loss this year, for those who have lost loved ones, for those who have struggled with health issues, for those who have lost jobs, for those who, who just have hard situations that they deal with. I ask, Father, that the joy that only can come from you would fill those hearts and give comfort, peace, and solace. We ask, God, that you would help us always to be joyful in you, that we would look and see the marvelous things that you've done out of sometimes the most peculiar things, as we're going to talk about this morning, but the things that you can do from nothing and to make a beautiful thing. Thank you for the miracles that you show us, for the joy that you give us, and we pray that you would bring peace to hearts this day. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, as, uh, as, we, as we look at the, the thoughts today, uh, lessons from the manger, I wanted to, to look at this, this in, in not really a different way, because all, we're all stressed out in our minds, we've all got stuff going on, so I wanted to bring something familiar, something that we know, and maybe pull a couple of new things out of it. From verse 12, it says, This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Most of us are not farmers. Is anybody a farmer or have been a farmer? Born on a farm? I, I was told I was born in a barn <laughs> because I leave the door open or do strange things from time to time. But if you've ever been into a barn, one of the places I love in central Ohio is the Slate Run uh, Park. It's just south of Grove City. And uh, it's a, it's a uh, I believe it's a metro park. But it's a turn-of-the-century farm. And there's a farmhouse and there's a barn and there's all the animals, and they raise food there, and they make, you know, they do food, and all these different things, and you can go and visit. But the barn there is very interesting, because there are pigs, there are cows, there are horses, and there are all kinds of things that live in this barn. And as you walk in the barn, there are scents and smells that you smell that uh, you don't particularly like, but that's part of being on a barn and, and a farm. But you can find these different places where there's food. And lots of times you'll find the animals gathered around. And there's, there's, I don't know that they're called mangers today, but in, in uh, biblical times they were called man- mangers. And it comes from the Latin word for chewing or eating. Um, and so you think about where the horses and the donkeys and the cattle eat. And you think about watching a cow chew. I was going to get a video of this cow chewing uh, because it's not pretty. <laughs> it's not pretty. But, but you can just imagine what that looked like in the barn. Uh, the slobber, and I'll stop there, of, of what ends up in a manger. But the manger is a very lowly, a very interesting tool that God used. And he continues to use that manger today for us to go and to get food and to get life from today. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, there's a great verse that describes this sign. It says, Beyond all question, the mystery from which true godliness springs is great. 
he appeared in the flesh, was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by the angels, was preached among the nations, and was believed on in the world, and was taken up to glory. Here was this great sign that the angels had given, and it was heard, and it was shared with the shepherds, but Herod missed it. Herod's scribes missed it. And lots of the people missed this great sign. And there are still today people, because it's too simple, we miss it. We miss the manger. We miss the sign that God gave us. Humanity is one of the lessons we, we learned from the manger. And that's that God became flesh. He became a man. He was a baby. And the word became flesh and he was in that manger. There's several babies among us this morning, which is a wonderful thing. And uh, sometimes they make little peeps. Sometimes they cry just before communion. <laughs> Maggie, Maggie says, we, we tried to get to, through communion, and today we didn't get there. But they make these peeps and these signs. And you look at them, and they're beautiful. They're beautiful, but they're helpless. They are helpless without their parents. They are helpless without those who take care of them. So humanity is a, is a sign from the manger that I think that we see. The, next, the other one is helplessness. A baby, when it's swaddled, is, it can't move. And there's probably good reasons for that. But it makes them feel comfortable. Uh, the, the story is true and told that when uh, Jared Deal was born, that Connie had some issues and Steve stayed with uh, her. And I went down to... Uh, take pictures for them of Jared getting cleaned up and weighed and all that stuff and swaddled. And they rolled him like a potato. I mean, he was just tied up. And then uh, and Steve finally got to come down and the lady came out and she started to hand Jared to me. And I'm like, no, no, he's, it's his, it's his. Um, but the fact about being wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger, there were no doctors, there were no nurses, there were no sterile tools. There was no sterile rooms. It was a manger where cows and cattle, horses ate and fed. He would be bound and helpless. Baby Jesus was bound in those cloths and he was helpless. In the beginning and at the end of the life, end of his life, he was also helpless. The other thing about Jesus in the manger was... It was full of humility. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, come to this earth and was lying in a manger. We think uh, uh, at the hotel we have a, a pres- presidential suite that's pretty cool. Um, beautiful room, several rooms together, overlooks Easton, and, and the people always think they deserve that or should have that. Um, when somebody comes to town that you would like to think that you could stay there or do that, And when the king of kings comes to town, you would think you would have a room such as that for him. But there wasn't. It was a stable. It was a manger that he lied in. And so it was very humble. From Philippians chapter 2, it says, Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and lying in a manger. Humanity, helpless, and humility. As we think about the manger, <laughs> the manger is a very dirty thing. Very dirty in a barn, very nasty. Um, it was very dirty. It was not the sterile, clean hospital ward. 
Um, Jesus was planned from Micah chapter 6, we learn, or Micah chapter 5, 700 years before Jesus was born, he was planned. He was prophesied that he would come. But yet, you would think they would have had a reservation in the end. They would have had a place to go. And they did. It was a manger. It was a stable that, that he was coming. And the sign from Luke chapter 12, this will be a sign to you, you will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. What a beautiful picture that is. A baby in cloths lying in a manger. Helpless, very human, and here before us at that time. It was glorious. Luke chapter 2, verse 13 to 14. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those who his favor rests. It was a glorious picture. And again, you look at the farm, you look at the manger. To us, it's not that glorious. It's not that incredible. But it wasn't the manger. It was the Jesus. It was the Savior that brought the glory to to God. It also brought a way of discipleship. The verse goes on there to say, Glory to God. I'm sorry, from Luke chapter 10, verse 19 and verse 20, it says, I have given you authority to trample the snakes and the scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. The manger was a path to discipleship for you and for me. It gives us great powers, great authority. But we should not rejoice in those things, but we should rejoice in the fact that our name is written in the book of life. And finally, the manger was once step number one on the Calvary Road. As you think about what Jesus did for us from Philippians chapter 2, starting with verse 6, it says, Who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself. And he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And so the manger was the scene of greatness. In all of its glory, that manger scene turned out to be one of the greatest things that ever happened in the world. And when you think of great things, you don't think about it happening in a barn. Sometimes you think, well, not these days, but used to think that great things happened in Washington, (laughs) You used to think that great things happened in great places. But in our day and time, we realize that the greatest thing happened in a manger in Bethlehem. In this time of the year, we have sadly lost a lot of opportunities in the past. And I wanted to read this story that I came across um, because this is a great time to talk about Jesus. It's a great time to talk about our Savior. Or is he the elephant in the room? And let me read this story. When you dialogue, you end up talking about everything except the, thing, the one thing that matters. It's like the man who invited, was invited to a formal banquet. Upon entering the room, he is shocked to see in the middle of the room is occupied by an enormous gray elephant. 
Not a picture of an elephant or a stuffed elephant, but a real, live, moving, breathing, enormous gray elephant lumbering around the room, knocking tables over, and gener- generally creating havoc. When the man goes to the head table, he asks the MC, why, why is the elephant in the room? What are you talking about, comes the reply. I don't see an elephant. But he's right there in front of us, the man says. I'm sorry, old chap, I don't know what you're talking about. Down the line he goes, asking each person about the elephant and getting the same answer. Can no one see the elephant but him? But finally, he comes to a man who can see the elephant too. Why is the elephant here? And the man answered, we don't talk about the elephant. That's too divisive. Some people say that there's an elephant. Others say there isn't. So we decided to leave the subject alone. So the banquet commences, and they spend three hours talking about the meal, the service, the lovely tableware, but no one ever mentions the gray elephant. I submit to you this morning that in a lot of our rooms, a lot of our neighborhoods, Jesus is that gray elephant. He's here. He's alive. He's well. He's working in your life and in my life. And yet... We don't speak about him. There's a a line from a a book from Rick Warren that I always remember, and I say it a lot, that we need to put in a good word for Jesus. Everywhere we go, we need to to speak about Jesus. And at this time of the year, we have that great opportunity where ears are open and opportunities are there for us to put in a good word for Jesus. Hopefully, as you came in, Hopefully, as you came in, you received a uh, poem or a reading that that I found. I I don't know the author. I couldn't find it. But it's called No Room in the Inn. They laid him in a manger, and the angels sang the hymn of rejoicing at his coming, but there was no room for him. Not much room for baby Jesus. Not much room today for him. Only here and there a manger like that of Bethlehem. Most importantly, he came to be born in order to die in our place. He came to take our sins and to give us his righteousness. He came to take our death and give us life. He came to take our guilt and give us grace. He came to take our judgment, and thus he died on the cross. In exchange, he gives us a place in heaven with him in eternity. There was no room for you, sweet Jesus, in Bethlehem, nor Galilee, nor Gadarena, nor in Jerusalem, but you still had room for me. Praise be to you, sweet Jesus child. I encourage you to, to read that, take it home, pass it out, give it away. Let people know that there's a reason that we have this season, the reason that we have this hope and we have this peace in our life. It is the sweet, sweet baby Jesus, born in a barn, laid in a manger, a feeding trough, And to this day, we go, like Jesus, to that trough so we can get life, so we can have the life that he brought to us. I encourage you this season, put in a good word for Jesus. And the question that remains to be asked, and I'm going to ask it right now, for those of you who have not let Jesus into your life, have not chose to follow him to be his disciple Will you make room for him? 
Will you make room for him? He's waiting for you. He wants you. He wants you to be his servant. And for those of us in this room who I may have mentioned in the earlier conversation before the prayer, who have been hurt, who have lost, who have life before us, will you make room for Jesus? He cries out to you from the manger, from the cross, that he loves you. Our God loves you, and he wants great things for you. But you have to make room. If you have yet to make room for Jesus in your life, in your world, this would be a great opportunity to do that. And it may not be a fancy room at the Hilton. It may be a backyard shed. We're all different people. We all have different things, as Cody spoke about. But what we have in our hearts, God wants. He wants your hearts. He wants your love. He wants your obedience. This Christmas, give Jesus your heart and be his child and follow him the rest of your days. And you will never regret it. You will always be blessed by that. If you have a need to respond to the gospel of Christ this day, do it as we stand and sing. In Christ alone.